Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host Joan Milmai and this is episode 132, Stolen Stitches with Carol Feller. Hello, hello. Welcome back into another episode of the podcast. How are you? I'm Jo. I'm your host today, as always. And it's great to have you back with me again if you are a returning listener. And if you're new and you've come over to hear from Carol today, welcome into the podcast. I hope you'll enjoy this episode and any others that you decide to listen to after this. I'm very excited for this interview today. I had a great chat with Carol a couple of weeks ago now about her work and how she got into being a designer and some other cool kind of stuff about, you know, running an online business and all that kind of good stuff. And I'm excited to bring that to you today. So Carol Fella is a designer, teacher and author living in Cork in Ireland. She's published almost 270 patterns and seven books, including short row knits with Pottercraft and contemporary Irish knits with Wiley. And she is a popular instructor on Craftsy.com with almost 400,000 students. She regularly teaches in yarn shops, fibre festivals, at knitting retreats and tours covering a wide variety of basic and advanced skills, including chart reading, garment shaping, short rows, cables and colour work. Carol first learned to knit in primary school and there's a strong history of crafting in her family. In university, she trained as a textile artist and then as a structural engineer. Both of these backgrounds influence her work, which uses innovative construction methods to create well-shaped and flattering objects that are intuitive and enjoyable to knit and that make the most out of carefully chosen yarns. She strives to help knitters create beautiful and unique products that they will love to use. So that's Carol's official bio. And... I think you'll really enjoy the conversation. A lot of those points do come out in during the course of this conversation about how, in particular, the structural engineering influences her work, how she develops her ideas. Uh, there was some really interesting chatter about her aunt owning a, a yarn shop in Dublin and importing yarn. Her starting out her business in the days of dial-up, basically. Not her aunt, her aunt, Carol starting her business in the days of dial-up. And it's really interesting how between the last interview on the podcast, Daria also being in a yarn shop uh, run by an aunt and then uh, Carol, having the same thing was quite strange actually, quite a, a weird coincidence, which is really cool. And I really liked Carol's ideas in particular about how to use CALS to improve the learning experience and the success for your students and how to make a knit along a success in and of itself, which I think is some you know really good tips there for anyone doing knit alongs or using uh, knit alongs as a method for helping their students to learn. Finally, I think the, the big takeaway was that designing isn't just an art, it is very much a combination of art and science. And Carol talks about her process of bringing those two things, usually seen as quite opposite things, together in her designs so that she can create a great experience for the knitter and an awesome finished 
object. So I really enjoyed this interview and this chat. Uh, Carol is super smart and very interesting to listen to. And if you're an accent freak, she does have a really cool accent as well, because I know some of you do enjoy your accents who listen to this show. So without further ado, we're gonna, I'm going to introduce Carol and bring her in. And you should grab your brew, grab your whip, and we will crack on into the show. Well, I'm really, really excited to be welcoming Carol Feller onto the show today. I had the immense pleasure of meeting Carol for the first time at Yamporium in November, which I talked about in episode 124, and I'm thrilled to be bringing her on the show today. How are you, Carol? I'm very good, thank you. Super. So... For those of us who maybe haven't heard of you before uh, or met you before in the knitting world, can you tell us a little bit about you and your background and how you came to be a knitwear designer? Certainly. Um, Probably a bit like everyone else who ends up as a knitwear designer, it's by accident. Um, Like if you go way back when, when I started knitting, I would have been, you know, six, seven in school. I would have just learned the basics and knit for several years on little projects for dolls and a few sweaters for myself and things like that because I had an aunt who ran a yarn shop in Dublin and imported all sorts of cool stuff like big cones of cotton and chenille and things like that that you couldn't get in Ireland so I was able to get these huge big cones of cotton to knit sweaters with but as with a lot of people through my teens it effectively disappeared I don't I didn't craft but I did start getting very into art and couldn't decide when I left school what I wanted to do I kept oscillating between kind of the sciences and maths and and art and it's quite difficult to bring both of those together so like when I when I left the first year I went to art college for a year um, just a foundation course because I'd wanted to do graphic design but didn't quite get into to that it was just into fine arts so spent a foundation course and really missed the whole maths and science end of things so then I left after the year and went and did structural engineering which is complete swing in the other direction mm-hmm. equally satisfying but somehow yet not very complete so I worked for a few years in engineering um, I married my husband's American so moved over there for a couple of years and I had my first child and started when we were there, I wasn't working, came back and worked part time in engineering with my dad and then set up another business, um, just an online business back in the time when you had to do it with dial up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did it was a natural. It was not much fun. So we, but we actually we learned a lot because I uh, set up forums from scratch we set up a website catalog from scratch and then moved into like OS Commerce when it just launched. Um, and all of this over dial-up and kind of put a community forum together with a whole load of articles. And But this was all on natural parenting at the time. But then when I was expecting, I've got four boys and the youngest when he was, uh, when I was expecting him, the business had gotten too big to manage, but not big enough to be able to hire a manager for it. So I sold it on decided I'm just going to become a full-time mom and decided this was a great idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I lasted about four or five months where you're like incredibly busy physically and exhausted physically, but yet you're not, your, your mind is not being occupied, which is fine for the first few months. But as you start moving out of the serious haze 
phase of it, I started looking around and wanting to to start thinking about things and knitting accidentally fell into that. There was a yarn shop in Dublin called This Is Knit that was just starting up at the time. And they um, just started an online shop. And I'm like, I used to knit before. And so it just kind of got into my head, maybe I could try again. So contacted them and I got Baby Knit for Beginners book, Needles and Yarn. And the obsession began. And I just worked through the book. I discovered that it is like riding a bike. You can, in fact, pick up needles after 30 years and you still remember how to knit. Now, you don't remember anything else. You just remember the knit stitch. So that's what the book was for. I learned how to read a pattern, how to increase, how to decrease, how to cast on, bind off, fix mistakes and all of the other little nuances. And I just, as soon as I started knitting patterns regularly I started um, just tweaking them and like well what happens if I put a cable in here and then what happens if I do this and within six months I was writing patterns and within a year I had my first pattern in, in the online magazine Knitty and that was probably what flipped a switch in my head and started thinking about it actually as something that I could do so that was, I suppose, the first time I thought of myself as a knitwear designer. And I was submitting to magazines. And it was originally uh, kind of U.S. magazines was what I was focusing on, like a lot of interweave knits and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of the start of it. And then, you know, as you start getting accepted more, and then I'm like, oh, let's do a book. And so Contemporary Irish Knit started. And the rest of us is each kind of seems to step on to the next one. But that was kind of pretty much the start of it. That's amazing. I love how you just make it sound so easy. You're just like, yeah, so I just picked it up again and I thought I'll try this. And then I wrote a book. <laughs> but that's the way I, I tend to be kind of a, you know, suck it and see. It's like, well, try it. What's the worst that can happen, right? It doesn't work. <laughs> I won't do that again. Like I'm, I'm a big believer in you don't know your limits until you fall over the edge, right? And then you step back and you go, won't do that again. That was a little bit too far. So that's my general policy. If I, if I can live up to it, I can't always, but I think it's a good one because it means that it takes a little bit of the fear of failure away, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because you're absolutely right. It's that fear of failure that stops you doing anything really, or even trying it. And as you know, yeah. with knitting, it's so what? If, it, if it's wrong, you just rip it out. Like you can't fail with knitting. You just rip it exactly. out and start again. It's, it's impossible yeah. to fail, but it is easy not to try things in case you get it wrong. I know. It's, and, and it's, I mean, it's the same, yeah, particularly as an adult, you get so used to always being in your comfort zone because like when you reach a certain point in your career or perhaps in your home life, you always know what you're doing. You're used to being in charge or being the person who has the answers. And so if you go to a class, whether it's a knitting class or maybe it's an exercise class or something that's totally new to you, it's extraordinarily hard to put yourself back in that position where you feel like an idiot, you're completely unknowledgeable, you don't know what you're doing. And kind of accepting that as okay is really difficult. And once you actually get your barriers down and go, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. So give me a hand here. <laughs> it is. Uh, it gets a little bit easier, I think. Yeah, definitely. Can relate to that idea at the moment for sure. Um, <laughs> there's, a couple, there's a couple of things, really interesting things there that I'd like to kind of dive into, if that's okay with you. Um, yeah. First up, the structural engineering part. 
because you're yes. not the only knitwear designer that has done architecture or engineering or software development, all of which you don't necessarily associate with knitting. Do you mm-hmm. find you used any of your skills from the that they translated across or was it just a completely different thing? No, I, I use them every single day. <laughs> it's, it is a very weird mix of artistic and technical. And I think that's probably why it ended up being a good fit for me because I had such a hard time bringing those two together. Because uh, I, I like if, if you've got a designer who is like very artistic and creative, but is not good with numbers, you're probably going to find that they'll go in one or two directions. They're either going to um, keep with a single size patterns or patterns where they don't have to do a lot of numbers and they can do the designing and, you know, everything can happen on the needle. So it becomes, it's just purely a creative process. Mm-hmm. Or if they do do perhaps garments where there's a lot of sizes, what they might end up doing is hiring somebody else to do all of the numbers for them. Uh, but for the most part, I think that anyone like me who ends up doing an awful lot of garments, because I would really veer more towards garments and shawls. I mean, I do both, but if I'm if someone sits me down to say, go design something, it's going to be a garment. Um, and for that, it's all about numbers. Like I spend most of my life with Excel spreadsheets open because you've got to put in your assumed sizing. You've got to put your gauges in. You have to make sure that all of your um, you know, pattern repeats and stitch counts all fit into what you want. And it's going to come out the size that is correct for each of those seven, eight, nine, ten 10 different body sizes. And if you don't either have a mathematical background or at least enjoy the mathematical side, I, I think that you're going to be swimming upstream the whole time. <laughs> um, and I mean, the, when I'm doing classes, what I end up saying very often to people is that you know, I do come from an engineering background, but when you look at your knitting, it's like it's like building blocks. Each little stitch is just one block sitting on top of the other. There's no mystery. It's that if you want something smaller, you have less building blocks. If you want bigger, you need more. So it's you're building stuff. It just happens to be with yarn rather than with concrete and steel. That's a really interesting way of looking at it, actually. And it certainly makes it feel a lot more achievable for those people who were sat there going, oh. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> it's quite difficult. Just break it down. That's <laughs> in it, stitch by stitch. That's all you need to do, one at yeah. a time. Yep, yep. Um, the other in- thing I want to ask you about is the online business side of things because obviously, like, I had dial-up and I was on chat rooms. Do you remember when chat rooms were a thing? Mm-hmm. And that's what you went on the internet to do, to go on the chat room and send a hotmail to somebody that yes. you- and you're busy building forums and e-commerce and it was well I I say I was going to say me I should really say my husband (laughs) well you were both involved in that um, and we can't let him take all the credit well the Um, technical end of it the technical end of it with that one um I'm good at the kind of upper level architecture and how I want it to look and how I want it to fit together. Um, The nitty gritty of coding, I don't get very involved in. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. (laughs) The coding is not that interesting. The big thing (laughs) is, I want it to do this and it's going to do that and it's going to be amazing and just make that happen for me. (laughs) 
<laughs> I actually I I love the the the, the fact that um, creating online businesses has become so intuitive that mm-hmm. everything has got this lovely clean user interface skin on the top. So if I can envision how I want it to look and how I want people to flow through my website, I like the one I'm using at the moment is Shopify and it makes it, it's really easy. You just move these blocks around. You say, I want this in here. I want this in here. And yet if you, if you know, even if I don't know how to code between like my oldest is now almost 21 and he's doing um, maths in up in, in college in Dublin, but he's very involved in computers as well. So I'm like, okay, I wanted to do this. Can you make it happen? And he'll spend an, you know, 20 minutes, an hour, and he's like, there you go. So I often think that if you know what you want to happen, it's as useful as sometimes being able to do it as well. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And you, you sort of preempted my question a little bit there because <laughs> Obviously, you, you've kind of, you went into that at a very early stage when everyone else was just messing about in chat rooms. And then you've carried on with that. It's a big part of what you do, having your online store, you've done publishing, self-publishing yourself, you sell patterns on Ravelry, you've done all of that as well. How have you mm-hmm. noticed that things, have things changed a lot? Are they the same? Is it easier now? Like, what's your observations from that first starting point through to what you see and what you experience today? Okay. When I started, it was like the first pattern I had published was about a year after Ravelry went online. So effectively, like my entire online knitting career is Ravelry has been in the background. And to be honest, what I'm doing would not be possible without Ravelry. It was, it happened because of Ravelry. But when we started, first of all, because it was so new, people reacted really differently is that when you put a pattern up, there was much, there tended to be much more viral sales that, you know, where you'd go up and be like, Oh, I have to have it. it. It was almost as though I think when for the first few years that people, maybe they thought was going to disappear if they didn't get it immediately Mm-hmm. Whereas while like the sales have stayed fairly steady, um, it's a totally different pattern. So it's it's a, it tends to be much more steady, sustained um, sales. And a part of that might be because I've been around for quite a few years. So it's it, you know that in itself is going to be different. So and it's probably not the case for everyone, you know. Um, but it does mean that um, what what I've been able to do because of that is it started with just Ravelry sales and you could take put buy now buttons on your website. So like everything from the sales point of view went through Ravelry and it was a couple of years ago. Then I started doing yarn and started up a separate website, but I really hated having things divided all over the place where it's like, if you want digital products, you go here. If you want physical, you go here. And then with Shopify, I was able to put the two together because it's got a um, a digital side to the sales, and then there's um, a Ravelry API integration. So on checkout, there's a button where somebody, they will say, you know, do you want to add it to your Ravelry library? So they can still add it in, which that's all thanks to Ravelry because Casey lets us do that because it's just, they're, they're phenomenal people. I cannot sing enough praises for Ravelry because the generosity they have towards the niche community and designers is and just there's no I, I don't know what the best pay they're just generous with their time they're generous with allowing it to be a part of 
what everyone can can have you know it's everyone is a part of it rather than trying to say it's ours and here we'll charge you thousands a year and you can use this little corner over here they're just it's very much an open community you know yeah definitely and if I had a pound for every time someone said Ravelry is the best thing ever my business wouldn't exist without Ravelry or any yeah. variation on that theme I'd, I would be uh, duck right now literally yeah. would own an island because <laughs> I mean I, I'm assuming that they have had many 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 offers through the years and they've opted to keep it at as as their business and running it their way rather than it really pushing it towards kind of an, a very strongly advertising revenue driven model, which obviously is going to make someone much more money, but it wouldn't be Ravelry anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And the number of new designers who attribute them getting started to Ravelry and that having that platform available and mm-hmm. dyers is massive. Yeah. And like you said, they probably have had several offers from the less fluffy, more kind of cash driven maybe venture-backed type people for a platform of that size. I'd imagine they have had um, a lot of offers. Yeah. Like you say, it's it's nice that they've kind of kept it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I I suppose this is probably not exactly the same thing, but kind of on an aside um, discussion I've had with quite a few people because I've effectively been around the digital block a few times. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of the newer designers coming out over the, I suppose the last five years, have no online presence of their own everything is through you know through Ravelry through Instagram Instagram being a big one Facebook and all of these different platforms and when I see that particularly some of the bigger ones it actually makes me really nervous because like you're entirely reliant on these platforms not changing their criteria not changing who they're going to show it to and it just it's it's really quite dangerous. It's like if, if you use that to promote and connect with people, but then pull them back to the space that you have control of, it's much safer, you know, because <laughs> it means that if a platform folds, you're not losing all of your audience because you have no control over that platform. You, you control your own space, your own website, your own shop. And so I feel like it's important to that be the primary connection that you have with people so that you're not, reliant on something that is going to possibly go up and down or totally disappear in the future you know yeah absolutely and it's a really important subject and people do place a lot of emphasis on oh I've got this many thousand followers on insta or I've got this on facebook or I do all my business through even through Ravelry like everyone hopes it never goes anywhere but you've no guarantee that it won't no um, I, I think you've had to see a few things rise and fall before before you you can actually understand the importance of um, a keeping full control of your primary sales route yourself. You know, I, I think you got to either lose it all or watch something that you thought was going to be there forever disappear. You know. Yeah, definitely. And that's certainly the kind of message that was put out about social media maybe five years ago. It's like, yeah, it's amazing. It's free advertising and you can get all these customers and it's great. And likewise with Insta, again, they've changed algorithms there. They've changed how you see the grid and people are not being seen as much. They're losing followers. They're not getting engagement the same. Yeah. Everything has a bit of a cycle, really. 
exactly. And whereas like, if you use that to say, okay, come follow my blog, come join mm-hmm. my newsletter, come connect. If you like what I'm talking about, connect with me directly so that I'm not reliant on, 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 on an algorithm for you to see me. Um, and it kind of wins on both sides because if it's someone you want to know about that way, you know, that you'll always hear about what you want to hear, um, and not worry about having to miss something, you know, um, it's great for a new way of being seen and actually getting out there. But I think for a more longer term, um, connection with, um, with your knitters and things like that, something more stable is better, I think. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's tricky, you know, like I've had the same thing myself with the, my community, which was always on Ravelry, but mm-hmm. I find that the, the, the usership of Ravelry has seemed to go away from the forums over the last couple of years. And whether that's because people like me are saying, well, no one's really talking in there anymore, or whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, maybe people are trying to get on it on a mobile device and it isn't that mobile friendly or hasn't been until yeah, recently yeah. easy to use or on a, on a tablet and that's how people are accessing things now mm. or what it is I don't know mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's good for certain things I'm finding now because I, I find it's far better for if you're running a knit along and the fact that it's you know very easy to follow threads and you can see what's going on yeah but it's really old school in the sense that they're they're the same as the forums that were there 20 years ago Mm-hmm. It's it's very old school, very useful for certain things, but perhaps people who are actually who've only been online in the last five years, it, they might look at it and go, "It's like, what is that?" Because <laughs> because they're similar to like you know the old school chat rooms and forums that were out there. Yeah, definitely. And for us, it's kind of quite kitsch. You know, we like it because it's familiar. Mm-hmm. But if you're used to shiny yeah. face. You looked at it and you go, well, this must be rubbish because it looks old. It's not been updated since yeah, it was built. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's not true, but that's the impression that, that you get. Yeah. Um, but likewise, it's, people don't want to yeah. be on Facebook. They don't want to be in Facebook groups either. And you can't have really a community forum on Instagram. And then you're like, mm-hmm. well, where, where, where do you go for that? Do you build a forum on your own website? I, I think perhaps it's probably to, 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 to feed things back into the Ravelry ones for me is what I do for like but it's it's usually around specific things like knit alongs rather because I'm actually really crap at doing general chat stuff online I tend to be very businessy and I'll answer and I'll give loads of time but I tend to be very focused <laughs> rather than it's like it's like what is this chat nonsense can we just <laughs> let's get down to business get your knitting done people <laughs> I'm not quite that but you know what I mean <laughs> I definitely fall down on the chat front because I tend to be, I think having several children and starting this when they were small and the time was so tight that I'm, I t- I'm very, very focused on the task, shall we say, uh, which does, yeah, it means that the, I, I need to work on, on downtime and the other whole end of things. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, but I like, I like to be the person with the party, you know, I'm like, come in, let's have a laugh, someone get the drinks, have you met this person? So I like everyone to talk to each other. So I'm a bit yeah, like, yeah. where can we all go have a party now? Because <laughs> one of the, my biggest issues with Facebook groups is that it's very hard, even in a group that you've joined, it's really easy to miss posts. That stuff can be up there and it could be two days before you see it. 
Yeah. And you're like, even if you've got notifications put on and it's uh, it just Facebook is, it, it feels like this big black hole where it's, it's very easy to miss things. And also that, you know, without you deliberately putting it on, you can change the settings for comments where it's like, you know, just show the most popular or just show the most relevant. I'm like, no, I want you to show me the comments. Stop editing. <laughs> just show me the comments. Like, um, and like, you haven't decided to put this editing on. Facebook put this on. You can change it, but you have to notice that it's there in the first place to change it. Oh yeah, the ter- terrible. And then you're like, someone's then they've like, I've, I've knitted something. I finished it. Look, it's in speckle yarn, Joe. And then I don't answer for two days, and they left yeah. time thinking that I hate them, and it's, I've just not seen yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's happened to me so many times. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a really nice jumper. I wish I'd seen it two days ago when you told me about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's my gripe with Facebook, <laughs> oh, is the, the weird notification thing that's sometimes on and sometimes off. I don't know why. Oh, because Zuckerberg's subverted the knitting world and he's everyone's slow down <laughs> the knitting. Like, I'm going to stop you all with your knit along fun. <laughs> With my algorithm. <laughs> there you go. That's it. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. The subversive knitters. I bet, I bet he can't knit. I bet that's what it is. I bet he can't knit. It seems highly unlikely. <laughs> anyway, so obviously you've, you've talked about knit-alongs there. You've talked about kind of your community and running your knit-alongs and everything else on Ravelry. And we've had a good old chat about businessy type stuff. What stuff it's have you easy got? to tell it's January. I was thinking my head is because that's where your head is going. It's like, okay, let's plan. So yeah, which is probably totally. why the business stuff came out first. <laughs> totally. I've been doing it today. I've got this massive oversized planner that there's no way I could carry that and a laptop and my knitting in a bag and not get some kind of back injury. <laughs> but I've got it. So <laughs> that means that the year is going to be well planned, you see. <laughs> I just need a bit of washi tape and I'm fine. I'm fine. Good. And I've I've jumped I've jumped on the I, I've got a de- I've got a risk of too many notebooks because I'll pick up whatever notebook is close to me and then if I need something new I'll flip it to the back and I'll start writing there. I'm like, oh hang on a second, I need to keep these pages blank. So I'll just skip a few pages and so I'm I've decided to I've got my first bullet journal and I'm I'm attempting to fill it up, but I'm I'm wondering how many days it's going to be before it's pretty much the same as every one of my other notebooks. <laughs> yeah, I love a good abandoned moleskin diary. <laughs> Get to about March and nothing happens after that. Yeah, very quiet here. <laughs> it's all good. Anyway, so we we're talking a bit about all the businessy stuff, which is awesome, super interesting there. And taking it back to the knitting, basically, because you are... Yeah prolific designer you self-publish your own books you've got tons of designs you like a good garment you like shawls you, you do you're an all-rounder really and you've mentioned knit alongs and all other kind of good stuff what have you got kind of coming up thinking about the planning thing seeing as you brought mm-hmm. it, you brought up the yes. bullet journal <laughs> yeah what have you got that we can, you can tell us about and we can look forward okay to? i've got well um I seem to be having a nice regular schedule of knit-alongs these days. So the next one that's coming up is I have got what's called the Ice Cloud Mystery Shawl Knit-Along. That will be starting on the 18th of January. And so as as it sounds like, it's it's a mystery shawl knit-along, but it's a nice quick knit. So people can kind of get their first January knit done without too much trauma. <laughs> 
Um, so I've got on my website, stoneandstitches.com, I've also got a few kits for that. Oh, so it's got a combination of my newer yarn and um, also a couple of balls of uh, fiber spades cumulus, which mm-hmm. is a lovely, lovely halo yarn. But it's got it's alpaca rather than mohair, which I find easier to manage because mohair looks lovely, but it's not always as soft as it looks. Whereas I find with this is a... Um, Surrey baby alpaca so it's actually really soft so it's um it's just very pleasant to knit with so that's the first thing that I've got coming up and then with love knitting a couple of years ago I did a yarn line for them the yarn collective and bloomsbury bloomsbury dk was the yarn I did with them and so I've just designed a sweater called wave ripples that I'm doing a knit along with them for that'll be starting in February. No, sorry, not Fe- yeah, it's February the 8th is when that one starts. And so what I actually do with that one is again, it's we use Ravelry, but in this case, it's their forum there where I answer questions. And then I've put, a, as I was knitting it, I actually put a series of videos together showing each of the techniques and me working through each of the stages. So even though it's just the price of a pattern, you're actually getting like a full video knit along with each clue that comes out. Cool. But I, so it's, it's actually, it's particularly good if people, because it's an unusual construction. And so people look at it and goes like, oh my God, how does this go together? By actually having some videos combined with the knit along and people working through, it seems to work really well. Mm. But yeah, cause I've, I've tried a few different ways of doing knit-alongs because like if you do one where the pat, you know, you just let's pick a pattern and let's go with it. I've never really had a lot of luck with it because what I seem, what seems to happen for me is the people who always finish will go here, I finished, post it up and they're gone. And then the ones who are kind of struggling or take a bit longer or perhaps need some help are having a hard time reaching the finish line. But what I find with like the sweater knit-alongs that I do, I do uh, two, two a year, like one in usually kind of for myself in kind of April, May starting and the other one in August, September. And with each of those, it comes out, you know what the sweater looks like because you're not going to knit a sweater sight unseen, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But the sections of it come out in clues, again, with videos. And what I usually do is do like a a Facebook Live or something like that, where a couple of days after the clue comes out, because then I have a general idea of the issues that people are having or the reoccurring questions. So I get to go through those in the video as well. And it it seems to really, really help a lot of knitters because the points where they'd normally have stumbling blocks, they're actually getting over and they've got the pleasure of finishing, you know, a full clue, even if they're not to the end of the, the whole sweater, they're like, I finished the clue. I'm ready for the next one. And the faster knitters, because they have to wait for the next section, are much more likely to answer questions and actually encourage and help along the people that are take, getting taking a little bit longer to get to the finish line. So you, you end up with a lot more people finishing sweaters, finishing sweaters that fit them and they're really happy with, and it just kind of with an overall positive experience for everyone, you know? And, and I love it. I, I love seeing people finish sweaters and actually get ones that fit them and coming out with just that, you know, the, the real joy of I've done it. I, it, I get such a kick from that. <laughs> yeah. It's massive though, isn't it? Like a sweater is mm-hmm. not a small commitment. And if it goes a bit wrong, it is so easy if you're on your own just to go, oh, I'll just, I'll just make a hat. I'll, I'll just put that down. And yeah. um, so it's really interesting. You say like the different 
kind of things that have worked and not worked for knit alongs because you just assume like yeah. you pick a pattern, you all knit it, it's all good. And it can work sometimes, but like you say, mm-hmm. other times it may be a richer experience with those extra bits of help from you in particular yeah. can really help someone kind of do something they maybe thought they couldn't do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of been my experience is that I tend to kind of move in a direction. I, I'm not a very formal planner, but you, you know, you automatically, you move in a direct, the direction of least resistance that gives me the most pleasure that is the easiest work and that everyone is enjoying. And it was the same with like each, at the end of each clue, we have, uh, I just have a raffle for perhaps a pattern or two and then a grand prize at the end of it. But the first, the very first knit along I did, I had it where I had just a voting system, right? Say, okay, you know, you put all your finished uh, photographs up on a thread and the one with the most love we'll have, I give the prize to. I, I discovered like weeks later, somebody chatting somewhere else and basically freaking out at the idea of being judged and wouldn't put their photograph up. And it hadn't even occurred to me before. I said, like, because that was not what I kind of intended, but of course, that was what transpired. So that was like one of the first changes I made. I'm like, okay, there's no more voting. You can obviously put up loves or whatever. This is just going to be a random wrap and you just need to get a photograph up. <laughs> and so because that was not the purpose and it, it was something I hadn't thought about until someone started talking about it. I'm like, I didn't even see that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's, it yeah. comes through when you're talking about it, your excitement about sharing these skills and teaching people. And yeah. I know you do do quite a lot still of in-person classes and workshops, yarn shows. You were teaching at Yarnporium um, where mm-hmm. we were introduced by the lovely Nadia. What sort yes. of in-person workshops and things do you have com- coming up as well? Are you, are you going to do any traveling? Like, where, 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 where are we going to see you? Well, interestingly, most of my work this year um, is in Ireland, like oddly enough, because what's actually ended up happening is like originally I would have done like a lot of traveling and teaching for shows and things like that. And now because I'm I'm actually doing the new yarn as well, like the last several years, for instance, in Edinburgh Yarn Festival, I've had a stand rather than teaching because the, the two years before that I would have be, I would have uh, taught there. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year I did a, um, a cruise around Canada and I was teaching on that, but that was actually incredibly hard work because the, because you spent most of your day out at sea, you know, out, uh, sorry, in, in port, a lot of the classes you're trying to squeeze in at eight in the morning. And then there's another one after dinner at seven at night until nine. And so you end up with this really long days, but not necessarily a huge amount of teaching. So, um, I found that quite hard work. But the reason it's ended up coming back to Ireland is a couple of years ago, Irish tourism um, started asking me to do these classes on, they were doing knitting tours. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was just teaching one class in these knitting tours for several years and they were going really well. And it's, it was, you know, a lot of fun, primarily Americans. Like there was a handful of, like a handful of Canadians, Australians, some from the UK, occasionally from Europe, but like 90% would be Americans coming in and it would be a tour of Ireland with like a handful of knitting classes and just knitting related uh, travel as well. And, um, last, was it last year, or the year before, um, Irish tourism came to me and said that my classes would have been one of the most popular on it. And would I be interested in doing retreats for them? So 
about a little over a year ago, I started doing retreats down in Kerry with them. So last year there was three retreats. This year with them, it'll just be two retreats where we're just knitting for a few days. There's a little bit of travel and there's another workshop with um, another in, down in Sheep's Head as well. And they're actually lovely because they're just, it's, you know, you're completely immersed in the whole experience and everyone's relaxed, having a great time. We're in a gorgeous location and it's just, and it's much less travel involved for me to get there. So I've got two hours to drive down there, stay for a few days, two two hours to come back. It's way easier. (laughs) And uh, the most recent one I've actually added is because it was last August, I actually, I moved out of my house for the first time in 20 years and I've got a studio space in Cork and I deliberately went and got a slightly bigger space so that I could do classes here, but it's only, I'm only just building up to it now. And in the next few weeks, I'm doing some brioche classes, but that's building up to in April, I'm running a retreat here that Irish tourism um, kind of helped put together for me. I said, I want to do this, 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 and this, and they put an itinerary together and said, here, does that work? I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. So it was a very easy way of organizing something. So I get to go to visit all of the local things that I love that are all nice and close. And I can have the classes in my studio here. Um, But the brioche is kind of the basis of it because that's what I've been interested in learning over the last six months or so. I've done, I've kind of been working my way through uh, a basic brioche scarf, into a garment and I'm now I'm just kind of moving into circular two-color designs and for the retreat I'm putting together um, a shawl that will again just kind of work through and step by step through different techniques so because I think patterns if they're designed to be able to teach with are great because you can work from a more basic version of a technique through to more complex ones all in the same like you can kind of think of the shawl as a giant swatch really that you can wear in the end rather than put in a drawer with your other swatches, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, it sounds like you've got tons of stuff to be getting on with there. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. I have lots of planners and lots of wall planners and notebooks and diaries. So I'm, I'm all about the planning. (laughs) I love it. I'm sure you can just squash your book in at the end of the year as well, you know? In between Actually, <laughs> keep your eyes peeled. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> awesome. I called it. Carol's doing a new book. I called it. <laughs> Just, uh, well, last year was, the, was a new one for me because up to this point, every book I've done, it's been just me. Whereas because I'm promoting yarn this time, I'm like, you know what? Let's do a book with other designers. And so I... Well, we had um, kind of the theme for it was historical Ireland, but not in a hokey Aaron Shillelagh shamrock kind of way. Um, Obviously, we've talked about a lot of stuff there. We've talked about like your background, getting into the designing, loads of really good business stuff and loads of exciting stuff you've got coming up, including Joe calling. You may be doing a book. (laughs) You can film your book. That's right. I don't even know about that one either, which is cool. And I'm sure everyone wants to come and check out all of your stuff now. Look at your knit-alongs, look at your patterns, your yarns, everything else like that. So where is the best place for the listeners to come and find you? Stolenstitches.com would be the best calling spot because I'll have links to everything there. Because from there, like my blog is on carolfeller.com. It'll have 
links into any relevant Ravelry forums. And I also have kind of a fairly extensive set of tutorial videos up there as well. So all of that would be linked in. So you'd be able to, it's, it's a good starting spot to find as much information as possible in one place. Super. Well, I will make sure there is a link to that in the show notes for everyone, because I'm sure they are going to want to check that out, especially those tutorials and everything else. Carol, it's been amazing. I've enjoyed this conversation a lot. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Joe. You're just too much fun to talk with. (laughs) Thank you. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Carol as much as I did. And as always, all of the links from this episode will be in the show notes at shinerbees.com forward slash 132. That's all we've got time for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show and I'll be back again next week. Until then, happy crafting and I'll speak to you all again soon. Cheers. You've been listening to the Shiny Bees podcast. Show notes for this episode can be found on the website at shinybees.com forward slash 132. And if you want to come and join in and talk to other members of the community, you can find that at shinybees.com forward slash community. I feel a need to laugh again with you if that's all